You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is another episode of Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Bashira. So, this is a little bit of an experiment we're doing. We have no guests this time for the first time. No guests. So we have co-hosts a, only. Yeah, we have a bunch of people lined up. We have a bunch of movies picked out, but just scheduling was a little difficult. So we decided then, rather than waste a week, that we would still do an episode. Keep the momentum going. Uh, yeah, why not? We we can talk to each other. We don't need a freaking guest. Um, so we're, since that's already an experiment, we decided to really experiment and not even do a movie. We're doing Miami Vice, the TV show. So the pilot episode. Well, the, I mean, we're, obviously, we're going to get into the we're, whole show. Sure, sure. But, but specifically the pilot episode, which was actually kind of like a movie. It was an hour and a half long. Yeah. And it was sort of like two episodes stitched together. But I didn't really notice... The because uh, I I just downloaded the file. There was no there was a couple of edits where there would have been a commercial break, but it didn't seem like there was a end of episode one and then a start of episode yeah. two. Really, I believe they ran it as a, like a sort of a TV movie on NBC when it originally happened, and then when they if they rerun it in syndication, they run it as a two parter. Right, so it's, it's way it was, too long for one. It's designed like they long. often like at that. I feel like at that time they often. Um, they would do like they would sort of do a dry run of a TV show as a movie, yeah. And if the response was good, then they would turn it into a show, or they would it just. I mean, again, people didn't have the options that they had now, so it's like if oh hey, there's going to be this two hour movie on NBC on Friday night, might as well watch it. Like, what else are you going to do? Exactly, and uh, it yeah. So it it was like a movie. I yeah. honestly don't think it's too far out of what we normally do. It didn't feel different. So so yeah. So that's what I, I mean. I've been talking about eventually wanting to do the show because I think the show is such a huge part of the eighties and again uh, and of the aesthetic so, of the eighties. So eighties and the way it's shot is it's not shot like a TV show. It's shot like a movie. Oh yeah, that's another part that 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 definitely made me feel like it. Uh, like feel like watching a movie. Um, I, there was two moments where it felt television-y to me where um, there was one scene where they're sort of all ribbing each other. It's it's out of place, totally. All the cops? Yeah, yeah. like he, he uh, what's his name? The main guy. Uh, uh, Sonny Crockett. Crockett. So Crockett uh, schedules a meeting with his other, like, I at guess. The, back the, at the station, yeah. His yeah. officers that, like, he's their superior. And he's, like, always calling them girls and stuff. He's, like, ribbing them all the time. But he calls this meeting, and then they're all shitting on him, and he's shitting on them back. And it just felt, like, almost like a sitcom scene. Yeah, yeah. Just wedged in the middle there. And then they cut to a commercial break, like, edit. So that part was, like, the only part of the movie that I felt was out of place and kind of, like, felt like an episode. Not Yeah, yet. so, it, I mean, it, it's, it's really hard to... Uh, overstate the influence of this TV show. Like it came out in 1984, and it really did. It's like nothing like this had existed at the time. And I, I mean, I actually, you know, I spent most of my life probably more of a TV guy than a movie guy. I've kind of switched now. Like now, I don't watch any TV shows, and I only watch movies. But from like my introduction to entertainment, really was regular TV. Like we didn't have cable. We didn't. You know, when I was a kid, it was just whatever was on and then all the stuff that was on rerun. So by the time I was old enough to be conscious of this show, it was already in syndication. And I feel like it's pretty much been on the air nonstop 
since 1984. And it's just hugely influential. And those characters, I mean, everybody knows Crockett and Tubbs. Like, if you you could put, uh, you know, a dog in a white suit with a, a teal blue teal, T-shirt, yeah. and everyone would be like, oh, that dog is dressed like Sonny Crockett. So I knew that outfit. Yeah. But I didn't know his name. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. that's where I, because I was born in 92, the, the series ended in 1990, I believe. It ran uh, for 89 six or 90, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so... That, that's how recognizable the imprint or that's how much the impa- impact of that uh, show had was that his outfit uh, was enough for me to know that that's the guy from Miami Vice without knowing anything about Miami Vice. Yeah. And even even playing uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Uh, so, yeah, which is what you asked me. You're like, is that what that's based on? Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. It, it is. And you're and there is a couple of scenes where your main character is dressed in like the white blazer and the teal yeah. like for one of the missions. And it's very, very like. It's not, you know, it, the aesthetic is based off it. After watching the, the the pilot, the aesthetic of Vice City is based off Miami Vice. That's why the name is Vice City. It, but it's not. <laughs> it wasn't. It and it was all about crooked cops and stuff. But it wasn't necessarily like a specific story. It's funny now that I think about it. Like Miami is the only city that if you showed a picture of an outfit, you'd say, "Oh, that's Miami." That's Miami. Yeah, there's no like L.A. outfit. There's no New York outfit. But white suit and mm-hmm. pastel shirt is Miami. And it's still almost, even though it's not like that anymore. I still think of the when I think of Miami, I just have I almost picture the '80s. Even though I'm not from the '80s, all the interesting stories, all the things that were going on during the in Miami during the '80s. Yeah, it just it, it, to me, I hear Miami. I think Cubans, and I think um, I, those crazy '80s hairstyles and outfits. and the drug trade. So drug I mean, trade, yeah, yeah. So yeah. some of the, like the the backstory is like really interesting too. So you have um, you have late '70s TV shows, which I love too. You have Rockford Files and Magna PI. I think are the two big ones. So you have like the kind of the antihero. Those are both private detectives. They, every episode is them getting into adventure. Each guy has his cool sports car. He's single, gets all the chicks, you know? Yeah. So then the 80s version of that is now you pair that guy who becomes Sonny Crockett with a Ferrari with a black partner because that was uh, how they were going to solve racial issues in America at the time. Right. Was, was that a big thing? It, it, was yeah, it like, early whoa, on, a black yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. They're like, we got to... Because, you know, because like 70s shows was... You have a black sitcom, and then you right, have the right. what's quote unquote the regular sitcom. So you like you're yeah. ghettoizing black culture by saying, "All right, you guys will want to watch this show because it's all black characters." Sure. Yeah. So the response in the '80s is like, "Let's bring everybody together and all be happy and friends." Which and the way and we're going to do that is we're going to have one black guy. <laughs> yeah, let's. Well, what we're gonna have, what we're gonna do is have the white guy and the black guy kill all the Colombian guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, what the fuck? And yeah. the Mexicans. Too. Who's even Colombian watching um, the show right now? So, so that, so that's where then you get Forty Eight Hours. You get, um, you get, um, uh, Lethal Weapon that comes out of right. Miami Vice. Really, and is that it's that same t- same time period, eighty two, eighty three, eighty four. Blueprint yeah. uh, of the two like mismatched partners. So you got Crockett's and Tubbs, uh, Crockett. It is another thing too. It's interesting. So Crockett is like a country boy living in Miami, which is always another f- like fun trope. Is like threw me off in the, the guy who's like he's like from like Gainesville, Florida. He played University of Florida. That's a Gator. Yeah, like, that's like, how he talks. He's got like, a real country accent, but he's living. He's a city guy. He's living in Miami now. Right. And his partner is supposed to be from the Bronx, from New York. Yeah. Comes down to Miami to investigate his brother's death. Um, they're chasing a guy named Calderon. Rocking the fire, Jerry curls. Yeah, oh, like, like unbelievable. Like proud of it. Like like flammable. Like it's, fire oh hazard. Oh my god, so oily. It's like, insane. Like could have like the kind of thing that almost killed Michael Jackson during the <laughs> Pepsi commercial. <laughs> <laughs> if ever he was close to a flame during the filming of Miami Vice, 
Philip was it Philip Michael Thomas would have I don't would have know. died and well, killed everybody around him. I mean, the oil because uh, he's sweating a lot in this episode too, yeah. and uh, sometimes you can't tell if it's his hair dripping or if it's like actual sweat. Yeah. So it's crazy, uh, like all this nerdy shit is great, which and we'll go into it. But like at the end of the day, the show is entertaining as oh, fuck. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Each yeah. episode is is a, there's a, it's standalone episodes, but then it's also kind of the over overarching story this guy Calderon is the bad guy he's Calderon. a big uh, drug lord played by Miguel Pinheiro oh yeah so one of the really interesting things about this show is the guest stars on Miami Vice so again you can imagine the 80s there wasn't a lot of options so if you were an actor who had any kind of pull in New York or LA you eventually did Miami Vice so Miguel Pinheiro was the founder of the New Yorkian uh cafe in new york he was a a poet and a playwright uh like kind of real like downtown new york kind of artist um the show was created by anthony yurkovich who the the legend is that he wrote on a napkin uh mtv cops that that was the whole idea was to take the mtv aesthetic because mtv was brand new at the time Uh, and make a make a cop show around and again like this is and this has been a running theme for me for this show it's like the the iconography is more important than anything else. Well, so I, what we remember is is the images, the music, the show, like unbelievable music in this show. The, the I definitely think that the biggest things that people seem to take away from the show um, were the clothes that the two guys wear. Yeah. The the, the visuals, the soundtrack yeah. is 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 like eighties music done right. It's yeah. so like dark, but also. Synthy and, yeah. and and it's so good um and it's a the thing underneath all those elements though is that it's actually a good dark show it's like not a uh campy kitschy like this is like um the arc of the first you know the pilot episode is basically Tubbs' brother was shot by this drug lord or whatever and there's a couple of moments where you know he, Tubbs has to face am i gonna really exact revenge on this guy yeah, like he yeah. has a couple of opportunities to shoot this guy through the heart and stuff and it's, re- it's done very well yeah um it's it, it it's authentically dark it's not like it, it and of course it's not like authentically real to what cops are actually like but you know back in the 80s in miami it was a wild place and yeah. cocaine cowboys documentary did you ever see that i've seen most of it i want to go back and oh, watch all dude, of it. i've seen both cocaine cowboys and then cocaine yeah. cowboys part two is also phenomenal it's I couldn't because I saw that first, and then I saw this for the first time this morning. I couldn't help but make comparisons yeah. to real life. So it came yeah. out it was definitely. I mean, Miami in the eighties was basically the economy of Miami was cocaine. It's insane. So everything revolved, and and again, this show also comes out of Scarface. Scarface came out in eighty two, I believe, with Pacino in Miami, uh, playing Cuban drug lord. So it's like that was kind of in the culture already. So. It's like it was like sooner or later they were going to make a TV show about the drug trade in Miami, right? And this is the show that came out of it, and it's just it's just really well done. And what's interesting, I I love movies. I I hate plot. I've said it a million times. I can't even rem- I don't even really remember the plot of this episode. And it's like it's like when it's was the last so time simple. You saw it? I I watched I watched most of it again today, but I had actually rewatched it recently. It's really it's actually quite a good plot. Yeah, I would so, say. So, but even like every episode. I, what I like about TV shows is give me a character that I like that I want to hang out with and right. maybe a bad guy that's cool right? and I just want to spend time. I don't want to know that the, the fourth cousin of the dragon is fucking the sister. I, I, I hate all that shit. Well, that's what, yeah. I, that's why I don't like Game of Thrones. Yeah, Are yeah. you with me well, on I that? Said, there's a reason why I said dragon. Well, no, um, no, but it is like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. Like these people, I mean, I... Look, we think of ourselves as nerds, but man, most of America is a fucking oh, nerd it, yeah. that, that wants to watch a bunch of 
uh, trees walk through it's a forest. Home, it's, it's homework. It's, you got to keep track of all this shit that I don't care it's about. All fantastical bullshit. And then you it give me sucks. you give me a character that I like, and then they're only in four minutes of the episode because there's 87 other characters that I don't care uh-huh. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So again, like uh, Magnum PI, it's one guy. He's cool. Every episode is him solving a crime, and at the end of the episode, the crime gets solved. It's like that's what TV is. It's not. It's not. Well, I mean, well, that's what TV, good TV to you is. Yeah, you well, but, put some but also, like, I love X Files, and X Files had the standalone episodes, and then it had the whole like arc of the whole show. But to me, to me, the best episodes of X Files were the standalone. They call them the, the monster of the week right, episodes right. because at the end of the day, like Mulder and Scully, I just wanted to spend time doing with whatever they were doing. Well, I think. TV has become has shifted away from that. Yeah, really. But now it's like because yeah. it's you. Because you said that's what TV is, but it's it's really not. Well, no, no, it's yeah. what, no. That's what TV was, was in the seventies yeah, and eighties. Yeah, now yeah. everything is overcomplicated. Every hero is dark, and it's funny because I like the eighties dark heroes, but like now the heroes are too dark. Like Sonny Crockett is a conflicted character but not in the lens of what from what but i'm it's looking very at clear him. that he's a good guy and yes, he knows he's a good guy and he knows what he has to do yeah of course but it's it's um yeah it, it, this show is is as it goes back to the cynicism of the current day yeah I everybody's mean, now everyone's a cynic so now the heroes are even cynics or or it's ambiguous as to what their motives then are. the cynicism was refreshing and interesting because it yes. was in it was counter the culture and it was now, subtle almost. now the culture is completely cynical so really the only thing you could do to be countercultural is be like completely earnest it's the downfall of <laughs> of of it's the ultimate inevitability of what happens after postmodernism. Yeah. Is what do we do after we said something was postmodern? Yeah. Then it becomes what? Post postmodern? Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't make sense within the confines of postmodernism. So so you could just keep dividing it up in infinitely and becoming more and more cynical about is life even real and then and yeah. then you get into the, you know, is up is up down and, and you just get into it's all these abstract ridiculous stuff and and it, it it goes away from um the classical nostalgia we have for these 80s yeah. uh, pieces of art and and honestly i've become far more appreciative uh of the content made in the 80s by doing through doing this podcast because not that i didn't i just didn't really acknowledge it before but now i really can see a, a difference in the culture that oh, yeah. something that was lost, like that we don't have anymore. That really was a like a positive, almost a sense of like America might be moving into like you know the, like ho- having hope for the future. Yeah, yeah you know, like like that was an idea that almost everyone had was hope for the future. Like you, it bleeds through all these heroic uh, tales. And, and interesting. Stuff. So in the eighties was a big time for immigration, and you wouldn't immigrate to America unless you were hopeful yes. for a better life. Like my grandparents and, and, and it's my mom. Un- yeah, yeah, and my family too. Like, well, they came, I mean, they came before the eighties, but like, un- yeah, same, yeah. unfortunately, you know, the, dr- the drug trade kind of ruined that. Those people, there was a lot of like good people that came to, you know, come to this country to, to start over, but mm-hmm. they were ex- they're exploited and yeah. they're they're kind of lumped in with you know. And when you think of Colombia, that's what you think of, unfortunately. And I know a lot of people sure. from Colombia. I I grew up uh, around a lot of Colombians, and they hated the fact that their country is still a you know Synonymous associated with, with this with cocaine. When it's even really not. I mean, it's not that way anymore. Like they right. they're kind of over that bad period. Hopefully forever. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's what people thought about. And, and it's funny because I. I always think about this too, like how things change. When I was a kid, every TV show had an episode where there was a quicksand, 
like to be continued. Like the main, <laughs> what do you mean? Like the main character. Every episode. Well, like, no, there was, there'd always be an episode where like Magnum fell into quicksand and then the episode would end and it's like to be continued. Does he escape? And then you had to wait a week to find out that in the first two minutes of, of the, course. he gets out of the quicksand. And it's like, I'm like, did quicksand disappear? Because they don't use that as a plot device I, anymore. I, I don't even know if quicksand was ever real. I, it might not be real. I, it sounds so fake. I start, what do you mean quicksand? I Get st- real, dude. I started to work on a bit about the fact that um, like I, I my childhood didn't prepare me for today's world at all because because yeah, the things that i prepared for are, don't exist <laughs> like i i went to the library to research how to get out of no, you gotta swim out just you can't you can't you can't just wait that you gotta swim well you have to make your body more buoyant so you have to like right. lay out flat and try to float and then hopefully there's a branch or something that you can grab but the <laughs> more like you never need the that. more you struggle to yes. get your arms up the the less likely you're you're gonna actually pull yourself down I, so what you have to do is sort of lean back into the sand and try to get your legs up and float on your back listen for guys for the people listening who aren't a hundred years old it's it's like the harry potter the first uh book or movie uh when they're when they're laying in the devil's snare and hermione is like no guys you just have to relax remember herbology class and then ron and harry of course because they didn't remember herbology class they were they were you know terrible students so they start struggling and the devil's snare just starts strangling them but then hermione sinks through and gets to the um next part of their journey they probably uh, J.K. Rowling probably saw that episode of Magna PI and or eighteen. <laughs> well, well, honestly, it, it is a. Now that I'm thinking about it, it I, the tangent was sort of like a joke, but it, that Devil Snare scene is a great scene in that mo- in the Harry Potter movie, and it is like a reference to like a mo- like a different take on quicksand. Yeah, it, it's the only thing I could think of in my life that, that where quicksand was like in a real thing that came out like post two thousand. The er, like, the other thing that I that I feel like came up all the time was Colombian neckties. Do you know what a Colombian necktie is? I, I've heard, what is so it? So a Colombian necktie is when, it's sort of a message from like the drug lords to their enemies. They would kill somebody and they would slit their throat and pull their their throat oh my out of their neck. So it would hang on the outside like a necktie. Jesus. And that was supposed to be like this vis- vicious message, like this is who you're messing with. Well, that is pretty fucking yeah. Message, and I feel like it. I feel like again, like every show or every movie that in any way touched on drugs, there somebody got a Colombian necktie. And again, mm. so this is another thing mm. that I was like ready for that it doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. exist. <laughs> well, it might still exist. I don't know, I, but you're probably not going to run for into for a little it. while. I tried doing a bit about uh, quicksand and Colombian neckties, but the minute I started to describe the Colombian necktie, I completely lost the audience. Yeah, who that's became pretty horrified. Horrific, Peter. But I'm like, isn't that isn't that crazy? <laughs> I love that comedians get so wrapped up in their bits. They do. They I, I do this all the time. I just you just forget how like normal people would react. To yeah, this. like you're so decent. Sensitize your premise. I'm like, like isn't it kooky? Yeah. <laughs> that people do this stuff? <laughs> How about Pop Tarts? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah no. But um, um, so yeah, so also, uh, uh, yeah, the '80s. I mean, really, that it was such a more innocent time in terms of the general outlook. Uh, um, the fact that I, I I think about this all the time. The fact that people just you had a checkbook and you just ate at a restaurant and then you just left a check with some numbers scribbled on it and you left and then that was payment yeah. and you could have had nothing in the bank and you could have done that your whole life or i mean you could have kept doing it at places that didn't know that you were bankrupt or whatever and honestly i think about it all the time or how you had, were people getting away from or you had money 
And you actually sure. paid for things that you actually had the money to pay for stuff without credit cards weren't really oh cash you mean, yeah you actually that's you what actually I'm had cash but everywhere accepted checks yeah or you know or you call people at their house and there was a phone in the kitchen that the family answered the phone well yeah like, all right I'm not that young I no no I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying there's a lot of things that like because like the technology it's not just that, like oh isn't it weird that we used to have one phone and now everybody has a phone in their pocket no it's weird that we have a phone in our pocket yeah, but but it's not even it's not even just that the technology is like isn't that strange it's like it's literally changed how we interact with one another yeah we're diff we're like we're as human beings we're different because of of that stuff yeah and so again like the fact that people sat around the tv uh, we were gonna have gideon my friend gideon klein my partner he was on um episode so, so he did thief thief i don't remember what number it was. we talked about because thief is the first movie directed by michael mann who is involved in miami vice and so he we mentioned miami vice and he mentioned be, you know, being in his twenties and getting, getting a bunch lines. of friends together, ripping lines, and watching Miami Vice on a Friday night. By the way, I was thinking about it while I was watching it, and I was like, "This is another uh, '80s movie that you know." It would be nice to do cocaine. To the this cocaine movie. influence yeah, is yeah, strong, yeah. even though the show yeah. the show is a, is about how terrible the cocaine trade is. You can't help but influence, and they kind of glorify and, oh, of course, it. A little of course, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. They so knew, they knew what they were doing. So it's funny. so this show was created by this guy Anthony Yurkovich at NBC. Uh, MTV Cops, and it's weird because he kind of like mysteriously disappeared. Like he actually, after episode six, was no longer the executive producer of the show. That's when Michael Mann came in, and that's when the show really turned a corner and became. So the pilot is great. It is great, and it's funny because the pilot already seems like Michael Mann directed it, and Michael Mann has he didn't no, direct it. He has nothing to do with the pilot. He didn't even come, oh. he didn't even come into the show until episode six. Oh, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, so he kind of took it, the show to the next level, but um, and Anthony Yurkovich actually left the show that he that he created. Nobody knows what happened. Uh, I, I, I from the internet, I can't really find out what it just says. That's that, pretty fucking. It just says that Michael Mann and he and he worked together, and then he left. So then, when Michael Mann finally directed the Miami Vice movie in, I believe, two thousand six, Anthony Yurkovich actually was the executive producer of. The movie, so was, it's not like it's who not was like in that. That was uh, Colin Farrell as Sonny Crockett, and um, I could see that Jamie uh, Jamie Fox as Tubbs. I could see that. But, that was like but it peak. Well, it was peak Jamie Fox. So Jamie Fox had actually just won the Oscar for Ray, and oh, he yeah, yeah, and yeah. he had done two other movies with Michael Mann, and so he was like the he was the obvious choice for Tubbs. Colin Farrell. This was sort of uh, Colin Farrell actually kind of bottomed out on this movie yeah he, he was killing it back in the early so 2000s. he had a big drinking and probably drug problem too and apparently when they were making miami vice he was a disaster but that i actually think that movie is great it just it has a lot of a lot of people hated it it was not mainstream for what it was supposed to be but right. people there's a lot of people who are really think it's an amazing movie and i'm i'm one of those people oh okay. but it's not a it's not a Oh hey, they made a they made a movie out of my favorite TV show. Like it's really kind of an artsy, mm. like weirdly dark. Like uh, well, it is a dark show. Yeah, but the movie is sort of like a like a meditation on like Sonny Crockett. You know what? You know the the because the, all right. So we should get into this. So these guys they're undercover cops. So they're in every yeah. episode they're pretending to be drug runners. Yes, that's a huge theme of the so, show. So Crockett has a boat. Well, he has a, he has a go fast boat. Right. And and a huge theme of the show is that a lot of the cops are crooked in Miami. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. yeah, there's well they find out that that Calderon is being tipped off by a 
by an, uh, a corrupt cop. But so in 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 the show, they're they're constantly setting up stings where they're busting people. But they're the reason they dress, the reason Crockett dresses the way he does and drives a Ferrari is because he's pretending to be a drug runner. Right. He's got to look the part. So the in the movie, they are he has a boat and they set up like a sting where they're running drugs from Colum- from Colombia to Miami and they're so they're trying to get into like the sort of the high echelons of the drug trade um, but it's like really like moody and methodical and like dark and you, it's really hard to understand the, the the worst part about it is it's really hard to understand the dialogue but the, the movie is beautiful and okay. it's like really cool but it's not for the casual television fan gotcha but um the, sh- the show again the show is very so I, I almost wonder if like how much of Michael Mann took Michael Mann's style from Miami Vice as opposed to Miami Vice being Michael Mann's style. Because it's hard to tell. Because like, literally in the pilot, it's, a lot of it is already there. I know. That's why I'm getting suspicious about where this guy went. This so, guy disappeared. Yeah. And, uh, and the other thing is, so uh, Michael Mann made a movie called Manhunter, which is like the original yeah. Hannibal Lecter movie. Yeah. And I, I love that movie too. And I have that movie. And a lot of... Uh, I, I saw some Manhunter stuff in the Miami Vice pilot. Just like the way things were shot and like the mood and the music kind of reminded and again, me. Again, that wasn't Michael Mann. No, but it's but it's but it, a lot of it too is just that that eighties aesthetic, it, it, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, and, you know, it's very dark. And it, and it's funny because the only thing that's cheesy, you're right, is the is the police precinct scenes. Yes, because those that's They're the only so thing, cheesy. Well, that's because the only thing it's clearly a set. Everything else is filmed on the water or you. in Miami streets in the dark. Yeah, and then they go into a set like an office it's like when the it's like when seinfeld was on the streets of new york and it's clearly a set and you're like it's so much more fake than when they're in an apartment right but that was fine because seinfeld is a sitcom but it's like it's it's jarring when you're like oh they're pretending that this is grass now sure yeah and that's supposed to be the sun but it's clearly they're indoors yeah yeah and so like with miami vice it's like when they're in the police precinct it's clearly a set now like that they made up it's so much less of a movie in those moments yeah so so, like i want to talk about the actors a little bit so one of the other things that the thing that really made this show so the difference between TV and movies is with a movie, you get one shot. The movie comes out and it's a finished product and you can't go back and say, oh, you know what we should have done was recast this role and cut this scene. And But with a show, you get a chance to to, to tweak things. Yeah, edit so, along the way. So this show had some major, major tweaks. One is Michael Mann stepping in. The other is changing uh, the police captain. So one of the most famous characters from Miami Vice after the two original guys is uh, Lieutenant Castillo, who's their captain, who's not even wait, in the wait, show. Wait. Lieutenant Castillo, who's their captain? Oh, uh, he's the, well, he's, I he's, guess, he, I don't know how that works. Because my dad was a police captain. So it goes sergeant, lieutenant, then captain. Then after that, it's like chief. So police is chief. he their lieutenant then? If, if they're calling him lieutenant, he's their lieutenant. Yeah. I got to Google this. So he, uh. So uh, the guy, um, I gotta get his name. Yeah, um, the, which guy? They changed the actor. So from the, the, from the pilot so episode? the pilot, the first three episodes, they're they're um, 
he's kind of a Poindexter-y looking guy. Yeah, the he nerdy, really, the yeah. nerdy guy. No, but he, he doesn't really act like a nerd. He 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 acts like a fucking like a hard ass. He looks but he like looks a like a nerd. Yeah, yeah. I gotta look up his he's name. He's like bossing around uh, Crockett, and it doesn't seem right because so he doesn't want to be in the show anymore. So after three episodes, he asks to he leave. Didn't want to be on the show. Yeah, what an idiot. So dude. they hire uh, an unknown Edward James Olmos. Oh my god, who creates his character of Castillo. And he's so rad in this role. He's like a basically like a samurai, like police chief. Excuse me. Did you just authentically, unironically say rad? Of course. Well, we're going back to the eighties. Oh my god, that just came out so naturally. I'm almost I'm impressed. I used to be a. Skater. I don't think I've ever said rad. I had a like authentic. You know, I got an airbrush T-shirt made when I was a kid that said rad with a, <laughs> with a skateboard on. It. Except, um, I was so happy that my mom was actually going to pay for me to get an airbrush T-shirt made. And we went to the airbrush guy, and I was like, I want it to, be, the guy's gonna be skating. Yeah. And it's gonna say rad. And, and so the guy starts the guy to write rad, and I go, no, 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 rad with two D's. And the what? guy goes, the guy goes, no, rad is just R A D. I was like, no, man, rad is R A D D. You're a moron. So he goes, sure. Yeah. And of so course. for all of like fifth grade, I wore a t shirt that said rad with two D's on it. That's did it. That's so stupid. That I had made. Did you actually think it was two D's? Yes. I thought the guy was. I thought the guy was trying to pull a fast one on me by only giving me one D. Yeah, suspicious Italian for no reason. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, you're gonna get one over on me. You're gonna screw me, airbrush guy. I ain't stupid. I know. I know how to spell rad. Um. So Edward James Olmos. Simple words. It is Lieutenant Martin Castillo. Okay. So he comes in. Uh. Oh, who's the guy? I gotta look at the guy that's. The other actor. Oh, uh, Gregory Sierra did five episodes and then Edward James almost comes in as episode six. Mm. And also like that totally like gives the show like a gravity that it didn't have because Custillo is like not flashy. Mm. He's wearing black suits. He's not the Miami flashy well, that, guy he, I feel all. like that needed – that guy was doing that, the lieutenant in the, in the pilot episode, but not as – It was something – It's not as obvious. You know what he seemed like? He seemed been. like a New York theater actor who got a yes. job working on a TV show. Good call. Where Edward James yes. almost like really embodied the role. Yeah. Sometimes I have trouble telling if someone's like – if you're just a mediocre actor, it's hard for me to be like, oh, this is a good performance. This is a bad performance. That guy – that's a bad performance. It's, in, a, in a good show, it's not a great performance. He's a good, he was a good working actor. He worked for yeah, a long time. Oh, he's fine. I'm not, that's what I mean. Like, it wasn't bad. It, it, was, it was mediocre to bad. He'd and, done like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't great. He'd done a lot of sitcoms in the 70s, and he's a theater guy. And yeah, sometimes it just doesn't fit. Whereas Edward James almost, there's actually a YouTube video where they, they interviewed him about Miami Vice, mm-hmm. and he talks about how he was this real like avant-garde, like hippie kind of LA actor. And he had kids, and they offered him Miami Vice, and he's like, "No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get locked down with a show. I want to do theater and stuff." And his son goes, "Daddy, why do you want us to be poor?" And he's like, "Well, Daddy doesn't want you to be poor." He goes, "Well, so then why won't you do Miami Vice?" And that's why he took the role. <laughs> really? So he's like, well, wow. he's, he's like, well, I'll only do it if I can make it my own. Like he goes, "I want to make this character. I don't want it to be some stock." like TV character. And he did. He brought this like amazing energy to the show. Um, and the other thing that this show did too is the guest stars are unbelievable. So Jimmy Smits plays Crockett's original partner at the beginning of the episode who gets killed. Yeah. Uh, McKelty Williamson, who went on to be Bubba in, um, in uh, Forrest Gump, is one of like the low-level bad guys. And like I said earlier, so, so Calderon, who's the bad guy, is Miguel 
uh, Pinheiro, who right. was, you know, a, a real, like, artsy New York guy. Michael Mann, like, especially, like, later on, like, really loved – he loves actors. He loves artists. So I don't, do, you, do you know who Charlie Barnett is? I've heard the name. So he was a comedian. He was a street comedian in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, like, yeah, kind of yeah. – he kind of helped Dave Chappelle get his start. He used to perform yes, in Washington Square in Park. In the park. He's – him – Chappelle, I, I, the late uh, William Stevenson also yeah. used to do that. So yeah, that yeah. whole that whole scene. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Barnett and and Stevenson uh, were were uh, not William when Stevenson. you could actually call them urban comics. Yes. And, and not be. So yeah. um, he uh, he eventually uh, died of AIDS, which I think Miguel Pinheiro also died of AIDS. But he was a street comic, famously auditioned for SNL, but couldn't read. So he couldn't wow. read the cue cards, and he, I think he walked out of his audition. He's like, "I can't do this." Oh, that's so. And then that they, that actually makes me feel terrible. Then they got Eddie Murphy. Like that's how oh. that's how that's how Eddie Murphy's career began. When Charlie Barnett basically walked away from yeah. SNL, and Eddie was like eighteen. Uh, yeah, something like that. So they would use um, all these actors. Uh, Bruce Willis, Big Break, Miami Vice, and I, I think like episode eight or nine of the show. He was like a he was a bartender in New York, auditioning, plays the bad guy in an episode of Miami Vice. Is immediately like electric on TV. Like you just know, like this guy is gonna be a fucking star. Gets moonlighting from that, and then you know, next thing you know, he's doing Die Hard, and now he's a movie star. Uh, it definitely fits. Liam Neeson is another one. Like one of my favorite stories is uh, De Niro was doing a movie, I believe in Ireland. Meets Liam Neeson, says, "Oh, you're you're good. Like I'm gonna help you. I want you to go to New York." And meet my casting director. And he's like, okay, hold up. I'm just looking for some blacks. Yeah. <laughs> this, that, this <laughs> Let me was, just take care of this one this thing. Was, this first. was that era of <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, Liam Neeson. And it's funny because I watched, I actually was watching these episodes recently. And uh, so I wanted to watch the Liam Neeson episode. So he plays an IRA. He plays an Irish guy who's pretending to be like raising money for charity, but he's actually like running guns for the IRA. And um, Gina Calabrese, who's one of the cops on Miami Vice, she falls in love with him and she kind of gets sucked in. And um, it turns out, you know, they find out he's a bad guy and she's the one who ends up having to kill him at the end of the episode. It's like really heavy and dramatic. Right. Um, but young Liam Neeson looks like Sloth from Goonies. Like oh he's my one. God, of, and it's really? funny because he's like, he's so handsome now. Like, well, you know, you well. know, no, he's a, he's a, he's like a really handsome guy. Like, yeah, you don't think Liam Neeson is a handsome guy? No, not particularly. No, I think he's like, I mean, he's like striking looking. He's like tall what? and like, I think he's a handsome guy. You know, well, I'm always down to call hot guys, hot guys, no, but, but, I, but like in a way that's like, dude, his hair is so like dyed. It's it, weird. Yeah. He's it got like, like that weird oily hair. soy sauce on his head. Dude. Um, but uh, he really does. But he literally—he's one of those guys he's that wrinkly. Had a, he had a grow know. into his face. Sure, he looked. So you're saying he, he looked I'm, awful? I'm saying like 50 year old Liam Neeson looks better than 25 year old. Liam is that Neeson. right? Because he had a grow in his face. Like his face is like it literally is like. I, I hate to be mean about it, Say but it. there's something like like sloth, like deformed, right. in in a young Liam Neeson's face. Okay, but it's like he's clearly like a, a good actor and magnetic. Oh yeah, and sure. so that's what like that's what launched his career was doing this episode. Again, it's, so a lot of a lot of careers launched with guest appearances. Guest yeah, spots. and again, because it's like this was like the the biggest game in town, and it's a funny thing about showbiz now. It's like people do late night sets in comedy. TV's dead. Nothing dude. happens. You don't people get famous do, from doing. People a, do a show. Nothing happens. At, like literally, you could do an one episode of Miami Vice and launch your career. You know what's like that now? What's that? Joe Rogan's podcast. Ah, uh, you're right. Or uh, another big podcast. Like any of the big... Adam Carolla, maybe. Mm, he's not as Mark big. Mark Maron, maybe. Maron. Well, Maron doesn't have you on until you're 
bigger though. Yeah, but Ro- Rogan is Rogan Rogan's is, he's the Pied Piper of comedy. Rogan he, is much more open to Oh, he's launched so many careers, he's, dude. He, he really has. Uh like Tom Segura, fucking I mean tons of people, dude. Uh Theo Vaughn, Owen Benjamin. Well, like Well, I mean Theo did a lot on his own. He's been doing stand up for fifteen no, but years. He, no, those guys are around, True. but like he he presents them to a bigger audience. Oh, dude, Ari yeah. Shafir. Ari, yeah. Uh, you could get on one episode of Joe Rogan and it, it can launch your career. Yeah. In any not just not just acting well, in movies and, and, and comedy, like you could be a fucking hunter. And now yeah, yeah. all of a sudden you're like a world renowned hunter that everybody and, and it's knows. funny because like like my brothers are hunters and they like follow these I'm guys. Sure they do. On Steve Instagram. Rinella. I don't. I don't. I've never even been interested in hunting in the slightest. But because I listen to Rogan's podcast, I know so much about these guys. Yeah. And I just end up listening anyway. It's it's interesting enough. But po- point is, is uh, yeah, the landscape has changed and going on TV. I mean, it really doesn't mean much anymore. I mean, it does mean something, but it won't launch your career if you don't have anything else going on. That's yeah, for sure. We, um, it, it definitely was a different time, and we should talk about. I mean, the two main guys on the show, Crockett and Tubbs, Don Johnson and Philip, uh, Philip Michael Thomas, because, uh, Don Johnson is a great actor. I don't know anything about them. So he, Don, Don Johnson was like a. They they have a term for this where guys like they film a bunch of pilots and they never go. Yeah, yeah like yeah, Matthew yeah. Perry had this thing before Friends. Um, there's a couple guys. I know. They, I know a few people. Um, I, yeah, there's a couple of comedians. I think yeah. I've, I've heard stories oh, where they, yeah. they, they've filmed a bunch of pilots and nothing ever happens. So Don Johnson was one of those guys. Mm. So this was sort of like a last ditch effort to get him. He was hot in the eighties. But Philip uh, Michael Thomas was like a singer and a theater guy who'd done some like some like exploitation films in the seventies, and his career after this uh, show went nowhere. He didn't do anything. He else? might have done like a credit card commercial or oh, something. Oh wow! And I think he did some like music. Like this was another thing in the eighties. You had to like have a song. Totally. Patrick Swayze Fucking had a Eddie song. Murphy. Eddie Murphy had a song. Patrick um, Swayze had a song. Oh, and uh, what's it called? In the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. It's oh, called "She's Like the Wind." Is it good? It's beautiful. Oh fuck you! No, it's so good. There's <laughs> no way it's good. So, all right, this I I, I know he's dead, so I don't want to. I like, have to say this, throw- like I. I listen to Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses oh, and all oh, that stuff. Worst kind of music of all time. It, it was big in my time. I know but, it was, but that shit sucks. But dude. that's what I listen to in my in my headphones. But I spent the majority of my time when I was a kid with my mother and my sister. So what yeah. I really listened to <laughs> yeah, yeah. was the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, uh, the Whitney Houston album with I Want to Dance mm, with Somebody. That's a good album. The Gloria Stefan album that came out then. The Madonna. You know what I mean? It's like I couldn't avoid those songs. Tiffany. So Tiffany. I knew. I knew all the words to all those fucking songs. What's that Tiffany song? I that? think we're alone. That now. song gives me an erection. It's a. It's a. That's a remake of like a song from the '60s. The video. She's in a mall. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They yeah, shot yeah. it in a, in so, a shopping mall. So '80s sub- suburban. But so so in Dirty Dancing, uh, on I believe part two of the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, which we had both of them. Uh, Patrick Swayze had a song that he sang on that soundtrack. Right. Okay. Pretty, so yeah. you should look it up. It's a pretty song. I'm not She's like look it up, the wind. It... That's all I know. I don't know. Keep going. A little rub in a face. Yeah, you know it. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, rest yeah. in peace, Patrick yeah, rest Swayze. In peace. Uh, I think. Um, I think. Yeah, you had to have like a song. You had to be like. It was. It was way different. Being famous was so much more exclusive too back then. Like there were probably only a thousand famous people in the eighties, <laughs> yeah. and now it's like there's like a million, dude. There's got to be like a, at least a million. But they're less famous. America. 
like more people their knew, share of fame is different yeah, yes the, the percentage like again at this time a show uh if it does 15 million viewers it gets canceled in in, at, in the 80s in the 80s and now now if you have a million viewers you're a monster hit it, which which is is just not true what what's actually happening is it's not a hit. Your telev- television industry is just dying. It's atomized. It's the dying. Cu- the culture dude. is it's atomized. Dying. There's they're no. Only being prop- they're being propped up by news and sports. Yeah. If there weren't news and sports, they would not have an audience, dude. You know what? Actually, you know what? It's funny you say that because you know what was a great TV moment that happened recently? It's sad, but it's a, it, was, it was actually what it reminded me of what TV was and the importance of TV was Alex Trebek announcing that he had cancer. That was really like, whoa. So you had to imagine, again, like I was a huge Jeopardy guy. I actually tried out for Jeopardy uh, when I was a kid. It was one of the traumatic experiences of my life because I wanted it so bad. And when I didn't pass the test, it like- Oh, you actually went to the place? So you, uh, I I got us, I signed up and um, I went to, from New Jersey, we, my mom and I drove into the city and it was in a banquet hall in Midtown. Oh my God. And they had TVs set up. How old were you? I was 16. Okay. And um they Were had, you a smart kid? Yeah. Were you like a student a good student? Yeah, I was like in gifted and talented school and AP oh, and everything. Me too. I was I was uh four I didn't, uh, know I didn't have that good of grades, but I was I was like we one of the both seem dumb now. I, no, <laughs> what I, happened? I was a smart kid who didn't like apply himself. Like I was the coolest smart kid and I, I don't was the smartest. That. You were not the coolest smart kid. Yeah, I wasn't cool for real cool. Yeah, yeah. But for like nerd cool, I was, oh, I, I, see was, what you're I was like the coolest dork. Well, sure, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. I was like a skater, but I was like the skater who was in the AP classes. Right, 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 right. So right, I didn't yeah. really fit in with anybody. Right. Advanced. Which is why I spent a lot of my time watching movies and TV. That's true. Um anyway. But uh, so yeah, I went 16. to the, So you go to the you go to this banquet hall and they give you a sheet of paper with 50 like line answer lines and a pencil. And literally, Alex Trebek comes on a TV screen, and then he just rattles off fifty questions, and you just have to write down the answers. Um, and then they they like grade the test, and then they just call up the ten people who got. I think there was like five hundred people in the room, and this was the, for the team tournament, and only the ten top scores. That's really get hard. Yeah, so you're tough. sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. The thing that really like like hurt was uh, right before I took the test, my my English teacher was grilling me. He was he was quizzing me on on uh, trivia questions. He, he came with you? No, no. But oh, in school, oh, okay, he right. everybody knew that I was about to do this. Oh, okay. So he would like quiz me. So he goes, um, he goes, here's one for you. What is the country formerly known as Burma now known as? And he goes, I didn't know the answer. And he goes, Oh, you know what? I f- I don't remember the answer either. And we kind of just let it go. That exact question was on the Jeopardy test. Get the fuck. I did out not of know here. the answer. Oh my God. And I swear for a year after that, it just popped up. There was an episode of Seinfeld where the running joke of the episode was that Burma is now called Sri Lanka. Yeah, I remember that episode. And it was like, I'd be reading a a magazine article and it'd say, Sri Lanka, formerly known as Burma. Burma. It just like popped up everywhere. And then I wrote my college essay for like three, my three top schools about that experience. Oh, that's smart. About like the thing that I wanted most and then yeah. not getting it. Yeah. And what it felt like to not get the thing that was your dream. Yeah. And then I got, uh, I did not get accepted to any of those schools. <laughs> <laughs> to any? The, the, my, my three schools that I really what, wanted to go to. Do you remember where you were trying to? Uh, Duke was like my number one. You couldn't get into Duke? Duke, that, the year that I applied, Duke was like, the hottest it's a school. Good school. It was yeah. the hottest school of that year. Okay. So like 
everybody applied. So to do. they told you? No, it's not. I'm kidding. No, actually, so I went to William and Mary, which is a great school great too, school. which is a really hard school, school to get into. That's a good school. And yeah. I feel like everybody in my class were kids yeah. that didn't get into Duke. Yeah, that's how I feel about Northeastern. We were we're like a top forty national school, but it's all the kids that got denied from the Ivy Leagues. Yeah, like because yeah, yeah. I I got waitlisted to Brown. Like I, every, you have to have a perfect score to get into yeah. Ivy. It's fucking bullshit. Or your mom has to be on Full House. Oh yeah, you could pay like a million dollars. So retarded. The fact that anybody thinks that a USC degree is worth anything—that's the most embarrassing. Is the part biggest scam is that I got into a better school than them, and they had to pay half a million dollars, and they photoshopped fake pictures of their children rowing. That, that exists and then they had a there's fake, just like a guy they had like fake, fake an injury so they like, yeah so why yeah, they were yeah. quitting the yeah, rowing yeah. team so that means the kids were in on it yeah that means oh, the kids 100%, were in on it 100 what a loser 100 oh my god I yeah the, never the, done the that. idea like that the, the kids were victims it's insane no they were no, all they no, were in the most privileged cunts out there it's like when you're if it's like if you're uh if you're you come from a family of gangsters and you become a gangster like you're not an innocent child like this is what your family does well that that i actually have a little bit more sympathy for because or look i'm not saying uh i look at people as individuals whatever but but if you're brought up in an environment like that yeah you're more likely to be that way i guess but in terms of them being victims no no they're not victims yeah. but uh, anyway, anyway getting back to my advice so what was your point about jeopardy um oh you were saying t something about tv and alex oh Trebek. so that was a great tv moment because you imagine if the people who were actually watching jeopardy live they didn't know that he was about to announce that he had cancer yeah and Stage it was four it was he's, he's yeah done. well that, that's usually when they find uh pancreatic cancer when it's like really late yeah, stage four is like in yeah. that sentence. Unfo- like, unfortunately, that's when they discover pancreatic cancer is at the end. But it was like a really like beautiful moment of him for like 90 seconds. Because he's been – listen, I watch Dude, Jeopardy every Alex day. Trebek has been in everyone's lives Yeah, for I watch Jeopardy life. every day for most of my life until I had a bad experience trying out for Jeopardy. And then I stopped watching for a while. But like that – to me, yeah. that's like the power of TV is everybody happens to be sitting on their couch. You're watching Jeopardy. And then this host who's been in your home for years says, I have some bad news that I want to share with you. And it happens simultaneously around the country. That's TV. Now I watched it through Twitter yeah. on my phone. Yeah, that's but, how I, I, but I But my first thought was like, oh, wow, what a beautiful – like this is what's great about television. Well, so wait. Your first thought was what a beautiful no, I mean, represented like, – <laughs> no. a guy tells you he's, he's dying and you're like, wow, TV's great, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but obviously I'm sad for him. No, of course. I, I just it was the way you put it as, as of course in relation to what we're talking about right now. That's what's his, but it wasn't your first thought. I hope it's it, it was a it was a bittersweet moment for me because yeah. host of Jeopardy is one of my top uh, uh, entertainment jobs that I'll accept. So that you'll accept, okay? I'll, it's that uh, weekend update, and then creator of my own talk show those are really the only jobs in in yeah. in entertainment that i'll You're a real realistic guy i don't yeah. want to do like i don't want to do like the view yeah they don't want you to do the yeah, view right. either <laughs> the view if you're if you're looking i'm you're not available psych just kidding i'm available um yeah. okay but yeah so oh so i wanted to bring up like the disparity between don johnson and philip maker hall is probably the weakest part of the show because don johnson is a really good actor and Philip Philip Michael Thomas, I keep saying fuck his name wrong, is is not a good actor, and he's probably the weakest link of the show. And I was doing a little research today, and I think I saw the 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 saddest bit of IMDb tri- trivia that's uh, unintentionally hilarious. Um, is is 
on if you look up Philip Michael Thomas on IMDb on trivia, it says I'm going to read this. He coined the acronym EGOT that is ascribed to the select few people who've individually won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award. Ironically, the actor has never been nominated for any of these awards. Like literally, he's like that's his. Wait, I don't understand. So he, I thought they were saying he, they named it after him. No, he named it because saying that he's like he wanted to be one of the few people. <laughs> Wait, really? They went with his name? Yeah, because he's like he's like he goes. I want to. I want to be one of the select few people that have won all four awards. And he's never been nominated for one. Oh like, my that's god, that's sad. It's a little sad. Well, I mean, it's it's it, it, it to be nominated at all is a huge honor, I guess. But <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's kind of a slap in the face, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, so yeah, so Alex, again, mm. always, so always, uh, mm-hmm. you you come with fresh eyes, yeah, to this stuff. So so Miami yeah. Vice as your first experience yeah. of Miami Vice, like overall, you think? Yep, I loved it. Uh, I liked. Um, I think I'm a big fan of Michael Mann. I because the first the first two things I've ever seen him do were Thief and this. Oh and man, they've dude. both been amazing. Let me open up a whole world for you, buddy. Yeah. you've never seen Last of the Mohicans. Nope. Oh my god! Oh my god! You yeah, no, just, I haven't. Just watch that movie just to watch, like not even for the podcast. It's that's a fucking amazing. No, he Michael Mann is one of my. It's hard for me to pick a favorite Michael Mann movie. Yeah, that's I mean, how many he, of his movies that I, I like. I his love. style, like it, it, yeah. just like the just everything that comes together in in the in the movie or whatever television show. It all it all works well. The soundtracks have been good for the first two things. I like um, I like the idea that all the cops are crooked. And like it's like very, and it's hard to tell. Like um, it truly is like hard to tell what's going on in the plot. Like there are some good twists, and it's exciting. It's not over the top action, you know. Yeah. Which I don't really enjoy. I know you do, but I'm not really like explosions kind of guy. Like this yeah. is like car chases yeah. and like really yeah like cool stuff. I'm um, a, I'm a, boat, I'm a, boat chase. I'm a sucker for a boat chase yeah and, boat chases are cool and man. miami vice does boat chases better than i, I can't even actually oh, I can't, oh we didn't even talk about this the girls are like super hot yeah, yeah just like the extras in this show so just, uh, like, uh gina calabrese who's uh her real name i think is sandra delgado she actually went on to be um if you ever seen the Sopranos, she's Jeannie cusimano who's the name oh yeah, yeah she's yeah, the yeah. neighbor yeah, that, yeah. that tony has the hots for yeah, yeah, yeah and it's like it's like yeah she's that girl oh yeah even 20 years later you're like yeah yeah she's hot dude she's super hot and not just like the, i'm just saying the extras like the whole vibe oh yeah of well miami show, is ridiculous well i mean they nailed it it's hard to cre- recreate that sometimes especially in the 80s i feel like it was a little bit more like i don't know like everyone had weird hair and they but they and they didn't look hot to me at least and but in rewatching this i was i found myself like kind of you know plumping up a little bit yeah even the even the the, the chicks are different in the, they're like more it's hard to they're more pinpoint. real it's, there's no mm, there's none of there's none of the like technology even like the technology well, yeah, changed there well, too sure uh, I mean, there was makeup no, and hair sure, and sure, sure. But surgery no, no, and well not really the surgery wasn't as big as it is now that's yeah. what it is but it's it just there's something more it's it's more like a little rough around the edges, yes, and a little bit yes. more real, yeah. And you can imagine like some girl from the country moving to Miami to start fresh, sure, in life, and then getting caught up with some bad guys, yeah. And then Sonny Crockett's got to come and save the day. He's got to plug her up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's like you want to see my boat, <laughs> yeah. and she's like, what? we didn't even mention he's got an alligator on his boat. Oh for yeah, no what reason. is going on with that? So that's this is where it's like TV is bullshit. So TV, yeah. like you just gotta have <laughs> that is such a bu- that's such an unneeded bonkers. I detail. remember. Uh, do you know Brett Easton Ellis? 
No. Uh, he wrote no. less than zero. Actually, he wrote like the ultimate like eighties novel, less than zero. Uh, you would love that. They I've made a heard, movie out of it too. I've heard the. Uh, so he was a he was like kind of a a, a, a you know phenom twenty two year old novelist. He still writes novels. He actually has a a podcast now, and he's always getting into trouble for saying uh, politically incorrect things. <laughs> like what? In, in a really funny. Well, he's he's gay in L A. And he just re, like he goes after the Me Too movement. He like he goes after like the hypocrisy of like the Hollywood gays who are pretending that oh th- that that's like, always the, tough that the Kevin Spaceys and the Brian Singers of the world are the exception and not the rule. So he gets himself in a lot of trouble for that kind of stuff. But he's really funny and catty and, and bitchy. But one thing I remember he was talking about uh, uh he was on a podcast and they were talking about Breaking Bad and he's like oh my god give me a break what? he goes TV is such shit he goes all right he's a teacher and he becomes a drug dealer and his wife is a pain in the ass and yeah and also he's got a son with ms it's like it's, it, that's such a tv fucking thing it's it like is, they gotta yeah. add all this shit so miami right. vice is like all right we gotta give the guy an alligator um and it's like it's like just pick one it doesn't thing. even make sense he has an alligator living on his boat which is chained up chained that he feeds i don't know what he feeds chi- raw fish. chicken no oh, fish right. yeah, yeah but it's for, don't alligators live in the water? Yeah. So what, what the fuck? How is that? I don't know. Poss- it's I a very TV it. thing. That's it's, it's sometimes like even like the best TV shows have to give. Um, they have to like pay. They, do, it, it, they it, pay it, tribute to like TV stuff. It's so stupid though. So it's, it, it it creates maybe two like I guess laughs. They're not. Yeah. I didn't laugh. But, but like you know like the cliffhangers. The way it's like the way at the end you know they're not gonna get the guy because it's the that beginning I of it. understand. Yeah, I'm saying this. This didn't make sense. I'm not not a whatever. It was. I still enjoyed it overall. Well, like because like because the pilot ends with with them. So they arrest Calderon. He um they got him. Uh you know. Tubbs decides not to kill him you in cold said, there's blood. There's a moment that so yeah. he's behind bars, and it, of course, some crooked judge gets him out. And so the episode ends with them racing on a boat at night to catch up with a plane that Calderon's going to get. They're on. racing in a car to get to the oh, dock, they, they, and, and the, then the they plane. Get a, the plane is a boat plane, basically. Like yeah, it, yeah, it's it one takes of those, like, off on planes. the water. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they get they get there just in time to see Calderon take off, and yeah. it's like fuck, we missed him. And so Tubbs is supposed to go back to New York, and he's like, no, nah, man, I can't go back to New York. And so Crockett and Tubbs are like, all right, cool. Want to hang out and be partner? It's like it's such a TV thing. It's like, I know this guy killed your brother and you've been trying. Your whole life's mission is to get this guy. But uh, you want to come back next week and solve crime? You know, it's like such a TV bullshit thing, but it yeah, works. Who cares? Yeah, it does work. It, it makes you, you want them to be friends by the end of the episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think that uh, I, it, to be honest, my genuine feeling was like, oh man, I want to watch the next episode. Yeah, like is, I have all of them. I downloaded all. So of them. This, the good thing about Miami Vice is that you don't have to watch them all. You can kind of like the fun thing for me is to look up the guest stars and so watch the Bruce Willis episode, watch the Liam Neeson episode, watch like watch them, or like look up like top ten Miami Vice episodes because yeah, they are for the most part they're standalone episodes. There, there's actually, um, uh, I believe the first season ends with the return of Calderon. And one of the most iconic scenes in the show is Crockett and Tubbs on the boat going fast. And it's just a montage of them on the boat with music playing. And it's fucking like totally 80s amazing. Um, it's it, it's like one of the most iconic things in in the history of the show. But uh, yeah, I think Miami Vice, one of the great uh, television shows, definitely Hell one yeah. of the best 80s shows. And a show that greatly influenced all the other movies that we we're going to talk about on the podcast. So it was definitely worth... Uh, going off the beaten path and 
and experimenting a little bit. And yeah. Doing a TV show. Yeah. Um, this has been great. Uh, we'll see how this turns out. But uh, do you have anything you want to plug or? Uh, just just Wednesday, March twentieth, which is uh, next week or actually Coming this up. week. Yeah. Whenever this is released, uh, Wednesday, March twentieth at V Spot Organic. Uh, I have a show called Aggressively Chill that I run with uh, fellow comic Dean David. We got um, Karen Fian on the show. Peter's oh. going to be there. Peter Garacci. Uh, we That's have cool. myself, Dean, um, a few other people that I'm, I'm blanking on. Uh, Melissa Diaz, Courtney Reynolds is hosting. Oh, nice. It's going to be a really good show. These guys are all killers. And uh, yeah, it's it's free, just a two drink minimum. Um, 7 p.m. Uh, Wednesday, March 20th at V Spot Organic. Yeah, that's that's about it for me. What do you got? Uh, I'm, to be honest, I'm really blanking. I have some shows coming up, but nothing really. Well, we'll be on do- Compound Meet. We're going to be oh, on the yeah, morning yeah, show, yeah. Compound Media, Thursday, March 21st. So if you have a Compound Media subscription or if you want to do a free trial or if you just f- figure out how to steal it somehow. Um, I believe on Mondays it's free. So you probably could watch. Yeah, but we're oh, Thursday. Oh, so you can't. I think it's just the Monday not, not live the episode. Got I don't it, know. It. I don't know how that works, honestly. But we're going to be on the Thursday show. So it's so yeah, 10:30. so Bill Schultz, who was uh, who was our guest uh, last week when we did Lethal or two weeks ago, two weeks did, ago, uh, Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. uh, is having us on his show for the first time. So that's an exciting uh, step for uh, Kill You Last. Hell yeah! Uh, thanks for uh, listening. We're seeing the numbers grow. So I do want to say this: uh, we always forget. If you could leave a review, that would be super cool. And uh, most people don't know this, but if you uh, do the star review, but you don't write anything, they don't fucking count it like they count it in the star calculation yeah but they don't count it as like a an official review so if you could you could say one word just just leave a review yeah uh, that would, would really be awesome us. and we see that there's new listeners so that's awesome thanks uh thanks for listening hope you guys weren't tired of just me and peter this episode we wanted to try it without a guest and if you weren't too bad yeah fuck you bye bye <laughs>